Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver, your ride or die, and your best friend. I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, sassy best friend, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, and your mechanic. Hop in that driver's seat, dear listener. We're on the road to friendship. We have two quotes. The first is from Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Why did you do all of this for me? He asked. I don't deserve it. I've never done anything for you. You have been my friend, replied Charlotte. That in itself is a tremendous thing. The second is from The House at Pooh Corner by A.A. Milne. Piglet sidled up to Pooh from behind. Pooh, he whispered. Yes, Piglet. Nothing, said Piglet, taking Pooh's paw. I just wanted to be sure of you. Last week, we wrapped up our series on relationships and work. Today, we're starting a series on friendship. As usual, we'll start pretty broad and then get into the details in the coming weeks. So first off, what is friendship? Something I don't have. (laughs) Well, friendship uh, has been written about for thousands of years. Aristotle talked about three types of friendship. The friendship of utility, think of this as your work friends or people who help you get something done or people who you're willing to help. Friendships of pleasure, and these are people that love one another some, but that's that's not really the sake of what it's about. It's about getting pleasure and what you can gain from the person, but it falls apart if the pleasure disappears. So it's very much like utility, but really focused on, am I getting something out of it? And then Aristotle talked about the perfect friendship. This was the ideal. A person in this friendship wishes the good of another for his or her own sake, which makes it the highest degree of all friendships. This is loving someone for who they are and not who you wish they would be. This is what we have talked about when we mention taking the other person's needs as seriously as you take your own. This example from way, way, way back. So like when you were a kid, right? No, I was probably a teenager when this happened. Oh, okay. So not that far back. So this is during ancient Greece. It's the story of Damon and Pythias. So Damon and Pythias traveled to Syracuse during the reign of Dionysus. And this is not Syracuse, Pennsylvania. This is the original Syracuse. So they weren't college bros. Um, actually, they kind of were. <laughs> they studied with uh, Pythagoras. You remember Pythagoras, the Pythagorean theorem and triangles? I know that one. There you go. Well, Pythagoras also was a philosopher who talked about friendship and ideals, and Damon and Pythias were followers of that. When they got to Syracuse, Pythias was accused of plotting against Dionysus, who was a tyrant, and Pythias was sentenced to death. Pythias accepted his sentence, which is something that the ancient Greeks did. I don't get that. But he asked to be allowed to travel home to put his affairs in order and say farewell to his family. Dionysus believed Pythias would just flee. But Damon said, hey, look, I'll be your hostage. And even when Dionysus said Damon would be executed if Pythias did not return by the appointed day, Damon still accepted it. Pythias went off to settle his affairs. The date of his return came and went. Dionysus called for Damon's execution. At the last minute, Pythias appears. 
He states his ship had been taken by pirates and he was thrown overboard only to swim to shore and get there as fast as he could. Dionysius was so taken by that level of friendship that he commuted the sentence for both of them. Is this a true story? This is a true story. Hmm. Cicero actually wrote this, part of the history. They were the original bros. Well, kind of. And it was kind of written as a, a commentary on the depth of what friendship could be. Right. The perfect friendship. Not necessarily in this episode, but, you know, is this one of those history things where you look back and they're like, oh, actually, they're lovers, not just friends. Everybody in Greece was lovers. Fair. <laughs> Ancient Greece was like so different than modern day. Pythias did have a family. He had, I think he had wife and kids, if I remember correctly. It's been a long time since I read Cicero, but also had this very close friendship with Damon. And that friendship actually transcended the marriage. Today, we see marriage as, as kind of our key relationship. Back in ancient Greece, these friendships between people who were exploring thoughts and ideas or political structures or all of that kind of stuff, that was more important than family. They had that intellectual intimacy. They did indeed. We've talked before about situationships or relationships kind of similar to a friendship that are based more around being in the same place at the same time or being in similar circumstances with someone else. Where would you put that on Aristotle's list of types of friendship? Friendship of utility. So we're proximal to one another. We share something. We're doing a task together. Think of this like the, the meetup groups. You did meetup photography, right? All of those people got together to share photography and were friendly with one another. Right. But long-lasting friendships may or may not have been born out of those interactions. Those could also be a friendship of pleasure, though, because everybody enjoys the activity of photography. And friendships of pleasure subsume utility. So most friendships of pleasure also are useful. We do things together. I have fun with this person. I laugh and joke with this person. You know, there are other kinds of things that I get from it that are utilitarian. Are there some other interesting definitions of friendship? Oh, yes. I just picked one of the oldest. <laughs> hmm. So there, there are other typologies of friendship, less philosophical and less scientific. Yeah, lay it on me. So the idea of having a loyal best friend, this is almost like the perfect friendship. This is a non-judgmental friend who, you know, when you're a hot mess and you really don't have anything going on, is going to love you anyway and be accepting of you. And they know your deepest, darkest secrets and they still love you. You can mess up and they still love you. Is this a reciprocal relationship? Because when you say like loyal best friend, I think just like person who follows you around and gives you everything and you don't, you don't reciprocate. That's a sycophant. There's a different word for that. Sure. This is intended to be a reciprocal. You are also loyal to this person when they are having a bad time. Yes. Hmm. One of the things is the loyalty wouldn't be there if there wasn't some sense of recipro reciprocity. Another is a friend who's the fearless adventurer, somebody who's going to take you out of your comfort zone, who is going to pull you into new and cool things that you might not have gotten into yourself. Then a third is the brutally honest confidant. This is the person that you turn to when you don't actually understand what the hell is going on and they're going to lay it straight with you. That's me. Yeah, that is you. You don't have to do what they say, but they will at least give you an accurate mirror of what's going on and a reality test about stuff when you're fuzzy about all of those things. Another kind of friend is the wise mentor, the person that you see as having 
more knowledge uh, or more experience or a better way of seeing things. And you turn to them for guidance or direction. And then there, there are friends from different cultures. This is a cool kind of friendship because it gives you a whole different view of how the world can be seen and how things can happen in very different ways than the way that you grew up. And that can expand your point of view considerably. And then there's the polar opposite person. So the person who's vastly different than you are. I'm an extrovert. They might be an introvert. I'm big into taking risks and doing stuff, and they might be really conservative. And the power of that is helping find balance. That's like you and your best friend. It is. It's like me and, and your mother. She, she is. So every kite needs an anchoring point or it can't fly. It's just blown away in the wind. I don't think you're polar opposites in all things, though. But I, but I agree that you are opposites in many ways. Right. There has to be enough connection that you want to hang out with one another. But there's an, an essence of that. Yeah. And then there's the friendship that's just the friendly neighbor. Um, this is not particularly deep. You might not share all of your deepest, darkest secrets, but you would entrust them with taking care of your pet or your house or your stuff. And there are lots of friendly neighbors in the world. The work pal that we've talked about before is the last one of these. This is the person that the only reason I'm friends with you is because we met each other at work. We work together and you know we have some things in common. But when jobs change or we go in different directions, that relationship may not hang. Yeah. So that's a, that's a less scientific, less ancient philosophy, more modern categorization of types of friends that you can have in life. Yeah. And certainly, I'm sure plenty of your friends will fit into multiple categories or none of those categories. And most of those categories fit within Aristotle's categories as well. So it's just different ways of looking at the same thing. Yes, absolutely. Now that we know what a friend is, how do we know if a person is our friend? Someone who is your friend is going to be able to hold that space for you, right? So when you connect with someone, uh, yes, just like a beach ball, Ben, they're able to hold a confidential and welcoming space for you to be able to share with them. And you hold that space for them as well. Friendships are reciprocal. A friend will connect with your family and not just you. So they know that you have other important relationships and they are not jealous or possessive of those. When you say connect with your family, they don't necessarily need to be also a friend, like very close with your family. Because I think there's often a value in having someone outside your family that you can confide in and talk to who's like, for lack of a better term, like on your side, basically, but also recognizes the importance of those familial relationships. So you don't necessarily mean that they have to be best pals with your whole family as well, just that they respect that you have the family relationships. And they can at least be civil and, and friendly for, I don't know, a picnic, a dinner party, right? that kind of thing. And they also don't begrudge you spending time with your family. So some friendships, they, they get really upset if you go off and hang out with your family or other friends. That's not really a friend. What is that? So that would be uh, a friendship of pleasure. A succubus. I want to get stuff from you. And if you're giving it to someone else, then I don't, I don't get it. So no, you don't get to do this. Think of a friendship of pleasure as one where it's more one-sided. I want to get from you more than I want to give to you. It's like a succubus. Yes. They take everything from you. 
And they're very controlling of your time. And you find that you're actually exhausted when you're in those relationships because you're losing so much stuff and it becomes really hard for you to hold true to who you are. And you actually sometimes lose who you are in those relationships because, I mean, depending on how long you've known them and whether it was a slow build to that style of friendship or if it was just instantly that way, sometimes you really lose touch with your other friends. And then it becomes harder and harder to get out of that space to reconnect with people. And even once you're out of that friendship, because there's not really a way to stay in that friendship healthily. I've tried it a couple of times and it, it doesn't work out too well because they will continue to pull you back to that isolated space rather than allowing you to have that connection. It's interesting that we still categorize that as a friendship, though. Well, so because you don't actually know that it's gone sour. Right. I understand that. It's just, is there not, I mean, what's the term for it when it goes sour? Just a bad friendship. Well, yeah. Or an emotional vampire or a succubus. (laughs) And also, sometimes it still feels like a friend because they do still hold that space for you when you need it. They do still support you in many things. They just don't want you to support others. Right. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. So another element that lets you know that, that this is truly a friend is that they'll listen to you even when you're repeating yourself for the millionth time. You've complained about the same issue. You've talked about the same problem. And they'll listen to you anyway, even though. But the millionth and first time. Well, they're going to stop listening. It could be. It could be. That's when they whop you upside the head with the paper towels and are like, listen, pull yourself together. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the ice cream spoon. Come on now. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Another way that you know someone is a real friend is that they don't hold grudges. Things are going to go bad in any relationship. You're going to step on one another's toes. Things are going to happen. But they don't hold that as a grudge and bring it up over and over again. And they never hang something over your head like you are obligated to me because of this. Or, you know, I can't believe that you would do this to me because I did this for you. They don't do that kind of thing. If it's, if it's that kind of quid pro quo, you're back into a utilitarian or a pleasure-based friendship where you're going to get sucked dry. You should save that kind of stuff for your uh, workplace foe. That's right. There you go. Give it to them. A friend has your best interests at heart. They really want to better your life the way you want it not the way they think it should be. Another thing that will allow you to recognize a friend is that they don't sabotage any of your relationships with family or friends or romances. They may come to you and say, I'm worried about your romance with this person because da-da-da-da. They'll share information with you, but they won't interfere with the relationship. That some people would view that kind of comment as interfering with the relationship. I don't disagree with this statement, but I, and it feels weird, but I feel like sometimes the sabotage is like in the eye of the beholder a little bit. Well, I was viewing sabotage as more joining into the relationship in order to separate it apart, not necessarily third party sidelining it and saying, you know, in private, hey, you know, I'm noticing these behaviors. I feel like sabotage might be in the middle of the family dinner party being like, wow, that's a really inappropriate thing to say to one of your family members. That would be much more sabotaging a familiar relationship or even in front of your romantic partner being like, well, then I don't think you're treating my friend right. 
you know, being much more interactive with the actual relationship rather than communication between you and your friend about the situation. Mm -hmm. I won't disagree with any of that. And a true friend would also give you information. So I might come up and talk to you about when we were out at dinner last night, your new boyfriend was really rude to the waiter. And if he's willing to be rude to the waiter, I'm worried about him being rude to you. I can share that and just leave it with you. I had an observation. It had an effect on me. You figure out what you want to do with it. I feel like the way this plays out in the rom-com, though, is that the person's like either, ugh, and then breaks up with the friend or, ugh, and breaks up with the boyfriend. And thus, the sabotage was successful. <laughs> so I'm just saying how it plays out sabotage? in pop culture. Right. Think about sabotage as I'm intentionally trying to break this up instead of providing information and letting you decide. So a sabotage would be boyfriend calls, friend gets the call, and then doesn't tell you that boyfriend said, hey, meet me at the Starbucks at whatever time. That's sabotage. Again, that actionable thing in the relationship itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get I get the difference. Of course, when you tell your friend like, hey, you know, that new partner ain't treating you as well as you think they are. And then, you know, months later, the friend finally breaks up and is like, well, why didn't you tell me this? That's when, you know, your really good friend is going to be holding that right over your head. Like, listen, here's the ice cream spoon. And <laughs> <laughs> we're going back to that ice cream spoon a lot. A lot of ice cream oh, in this listen, episode. I like ice cream. <laughs> I love ice cream. So one of the last things in this, when you're thinking about, is this person really my friend, is are they reliable? Now, unexpected things happen for everyone, but a true friend says what they will do and then does it. And if they can't because, you know, their grandmother dies, they let you know, you know, I know I was supposed to do this with you. My grandmother died. I'm not going to be able to be there. That's still a reliable event because unexpected things do happen. Unless it's like the 16th grandmother in a month. Well, you know, with as many divorces as happens today, you could have 16 grandmothers. In a month, though? <laughs> well, they're all about the same age. I don't know. Don't put all your grandmothers in one basket. <laughs> so one of the things that our, our loyal listeners may have recognized out of this whole list is it really represents the trust equation that we talked about way back at the beginning. So trust equals reliability plus credibility plus approachability divided by self-orientation. Low self-orientation, high reliability, high credibility, and high approachability leads to the greatest sense of trust. And that, my friends, is your best friend. Oh. You like how I did that? So a cat. The key formula for a best friend. Is to adopt an animal. <laughs> Though they won't be able to hand you the ice cream spoon. They might try to take it away from you. No, they'll just lick it up. What about friendships over your lifespan? So like the friendships you have in childhood are pretty different than the friendships you make as an adult. How do friendships develop and change over the course of a person's life? Similarly to the way that you as a person grow and develop over life, your friendships are going to change. The friend that you made during recess in third grade might not be that friend that stays with you long term. It might be. I know, Ben, you have friends from your childhood that are still very active in your life. I seem to have outgrown most of my friends. 
which is fine because as I've grown, my needs for relationships have changed. I guess mine haven't. All I want is a kid to play with on the playground. And to sit with you at lunch. And as Kim, as Kim is pointing out, the template is laid down when you're very young. So even infants and toddlers show signs of excitement and desire when they see a familiar peer. They'll crawl toward them or interact with them, but often that play is parallel. But the template for how do I approach someone else, create a relationship, and then develop a friendship is laid down in early childhood, somewhere between uh, zero and roughly six, seven, eight years old. Is this one of those things you have to get right like one out of three times as a parent? So this is something that happens even when parents don't intervene because kids are put into social situations and they figure this out. Most of our brain was created to do social problem solving. Do you think that the quarantine will have an effect on like young, young kids that were born during this time? Yes. Strong yes. And the longer it goes on where they have this, the only people they're interacting with is their family, the harder it will be to re-engage with peers. Hmm. My guess is you'll see a lot of struggle with the creation of empathy outside of a family dynamic. You see this with technology, which we'll get into someday. I keep talking about technology and we never get there, but someday we'll talk more about technology. But there's an intense lack of empathy because it's not, there's not that social cue. We might see that develop going forward. I mean, who knows, but I reckon uh, that might be a side effect of all of this isolation and quarantine, which is kind of scary to think about, but we won't know until we're there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be super bad or dire. It will just be an additional speed bump in the road these kids will have to experience. True. Which is not any different than we've had in the past when polio had an outbreak and many kids had polio and survived and had to figure out how to integrate into the world. That's a whole big, long topic. And I'm sure there are researchers who are getting ready to look at all of those effects. Yeah. Well, as we were saying, that kind of template for how to make friends, how to engage with others is set in early childhood and really matures going into middle and late childhood. That transition is kind of when you go from the family-centric experience to peer-centric thinking. So going and creating those friendships and creating that mutual trust and commitment outside of the family. And that's kind of the key part in building these friendships is they're going to be outside of the family. It's interesting when I reflect back on my childhood and looking at my friends, I know a lot of my friends were actually Ben's friends. And they weren't really my friends, but I viewed them as my friends. It was kind of strange when I look back at that and that experience, which we also did have a mutual friend pool when we were in marching band together. So there was a lot of overlapping dynamic there. As you continue to age in your teens and your 20s and kind of moving into that young adulthood, your friendships continue to evolve and there's kind of this autonomy and interdependence and things get kind of weird and hazy in there sometimes because you kind of start to get those romantic feelings thrown in with some friendships and pulled out in others and it's just kind of confusing, but you really start to create these Deeper friendships is what I've really found is in those like teenage 20s, somewhere in there, you really start to create these friendships that are long lasting. This did not pan out for me. I've been thinking a lot about it recently. 
Well, and some of that has to do with how much time and energy you put into keeping up with people who then engage in a diaspora, right? So when you leave college, people go to many different places and keeping up with those long distance relationships can be a challenge. Yeah. And do they keep up with you? Again, that reciprocal aspect. How much energy do you put out and do they give you energy back? Yes. Yeah. Didn't pan out for me. Sometimes it fizzles out. But again, you have a friend that's lasted, you know, you have the longevity friend who's just been there consistently with you. And, you know, I have friends from college that so far have continued to provide energy into our relationship and keep up with me. So it's different experiences and sometimes you have different connections. Your college experience was very different than mine in, you know, what you majored in, how your school was set up, all of those different dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things about this this phase, the teens and 20s. One of the reasons that autonomous interdependence can occur is because the individual becomes more confident and self-aware. So they themselves are more capable of setting aside their own needs in order to recognize the needs of someone else. That's the interdependence part. And they also feel strong enough to be able to share. I was not (laughs) self-aware. You continue to become self-aware. That's a continuing and ongoing process. Yeah, when you're in your teens and 20s, what you're really trying to do is find friends that accept you and that you accept. That's really the key of, of what you're trying to resolve there. When you get into adulthood, like into your 30s, it becomes really complicated. What? Called out, Ben. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you're, Ben, you're at the age where your friends are having children. I'm kind of in the phase where I have friends who are getting married, but you're already married. Most of your friends are married and they're starting to have children. That life phase is starting to approach. And that really changes the dynamic of a friendship. It changes the friend's availability. It changes what they're interested in. It changes how they can engage with others. And we were talking about kind of proximity friendships. There's a lot of dynamics of parents who are friends with other kids' parents, but it's not like a really deep friendship, but it's a friendship because, hey, we have to hang out a fair amount because our kids happen to be friends. And that's that adulthood challenge of, how do I stay friends with someone as their children go off to create other friends and maybe we lose time for each other? Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in an upcoming episode where we focus on how, how do you keep, make, and maintain friendships in this adult phase from 30 to about 60. After 60, you don't need friends anymore. No, that's a whole different thing. So after 60, friendships evolve into a different space. And one of the challenges is losing your friends. Yeah. And facing mortality. All right. That went dark fast. It only went dark because, you know, boss man over here is 59. So facing mortality next year. And your mom is facing 60 in less than 60 days. Listen, I was not going to bring my mother into this. Okay. Why is friendship important? Well, the Mayo Clinic says that friendship has a direct and positive impact on your health and emotional well-being. Friendship has a direct and positive impact on your health. Got it. Right. And your emotional well-being. It increases your sense of belonging and purpose, and that's a key thing human beings need. You become emotionally very unhealthy if you don't feel like you belong anywhere or that you have a purpose. Hmm. 
this happens a lot to soldiers and sailors and airmen when they come out of the military where they had a great sense of belonging and purpose and then struggle with what is my, who are my people now and what is my purpose after the military, just as one example. So friendships also boost happiness and reduce stress. They improve self-confidence and self-worth. Uh, they help you cope with traumas like divorce or serious illness or job loss or death or quarantine. <laughs> they can help you change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits. You know, I really experienced this when I joined an organization called F3. It's a free workout for men in the mornings. And that connection to those other men really helped me turn around some of the unhealthy stuff that was going on in my life. And they have a women's chapter named FIA. Which is, it stands for? Females in Action. There you go. And studies have shown that older adults that have a rich social life live longer than their peers who are more socially isolated. This is one of the reasons why continuing care communities have become so popular is because that's a great place to be to make connections with other folks in that age group that have similar needs and interests. I wish they had one of those groups for 30-somethings. Feeling lonely as we talk about friendships here, Ben? I do. I feel lonely. I'm going to go see a friend after we hang up. So, so am I, actually. We've got a, a backyard dinner plan. Well, and you also live with a friend, so there's that. Are you talking about Toast again? Of course. She's really your only friend. Friendship is very different than marriage, Kim. Yes, and? Friendship is an aspect of marriage, but marriage is not necessarily an aspect of friendship. That is true. It's like squares and rectangles. It's important to have people outside of your marriage to talk to. Very true. That is true. That should give you a basic sense of what friendship is and how to know if someone is your friend and why having friends is important. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is the beginning of a new mini-series in the Relationship Road Trip, so we'll be diving deeper into the dynamics of friendship over the next few weeks. If you have any questions about friendships in your life, now would be a great time to email them to questions at afpsych.com. And if you love Relationship Road Trip and you want to help us out, give us some stars in iTunes or even better, tell a friend about us. Until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back and may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.